But if you do have your Bibles, I want you to grab them and turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians. Sorry, not 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And, uh, you know, this world that we live in, it's, I mean, it's really encouraging to know that, um, you know, in Australia, we, as far as the COVID-19 crisis goes, um, restrictions are being eased. Um, although, you know, with current news reports in Victoria, there's, um, there's a bit of a, a hold on that at, at the moment, but um, there's light at the end of the tunnel, you know, um, talking with some of the other, uh, some of friends of mine from churches, and, and they're looking forward to getting together uh, in small services, face-to-face. Um, but um, we look around the world and we see um, turmoil, we see heartache, we see, I mean, we've seen it even before COVID-19. We see people in division, people in uh, conflict. And it's not God's way. You know, when Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, he, he said, um, this is how you pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And there's no conflict in heaven. There's no fights in heaven. There's no quarreling about rights because it's heaven. And Jesus wants us to, um, to pray that God's kingdom will come. His value system would be alive and active in, in, in earth as it is in heaven. And, and um, believers, you and I have the responsibility to, I guess, be agents for that kingdom to come. And before that can ever happen, we need to realize that there, there was a war or there is a war, but the war's over. Uh, let's turn to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I'm going to read from verses um, 14 down to the end of the chapter. And in the message I'm reading from tonight as well, just a reminder, um, the message uh, titles this passage, New Life, New Life. I guess in hindsight, or not in hindsight, in in um, in retrospect, we shared about um, the new life that God offers us through Christ at communion. But, um, yeah, I wanted to have a look a little bit more about that tonight. It's so good. So verse 14, 2 Corinthians 5. Our firm decision is to work from this focused center. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life, a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once and got it all wrong. As you know, we certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside, and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone, a new life burgeons. Look at it. All this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. 
God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. How, you say? In Christ. God put the the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you in prayer. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that it is live and it's active. And we come to you, Lord, right now. We don't come to a message or a sermon that some guy is going to preach. We come to you. We want to hear what you have to say to us. And so, God, open our ears, open our eyes, open our minds, open our hearts to all that you have for us. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, um, you just have to turn on the television to see that humanity isn't perfect. We're not perfect. None of us are. None of us are. But there's this mentality, whether we realize it or not, that there are some that are more perfect than others. You know, there's some that are, you know, more got it together than others, some that are um, worthy of worth and some that aren't worthy of worth. And, and we, we, we tend to evaluate people by what they look like on the outside. I remember meeting a man named Paul uh, quite a number of years ago, and Paul looked very different on the outside. And uh, I was involved in a street mission uh, night program where we would give out free uh, hot drinks and free food to, uh, to nightclubbers and, uh, and also homeless people uh, on the streets of Newcastle in New South Wales. And Paul would often frequent on a Friday night and come and get a hot drink, a Milo and uh, sausage in a, in a you know, uh, sausage sizzle, classic Australian dinner. And uh, he would sit in the area and he would just talk and uh, we'd listen. And um, Paul was very interested in God um, and, and what Christians have to say about God. And um, we would share the, the gospel with Paul. And um, over, a, over a period of time, Paul decided that he wanted to um, go to church again. You see, Paul used to go to church, uh, but uh, Paul, Paul, like I said, didn't look on the outside like what a lot of people would say normal. Paul liked to wear dresses. Let's put it out there. Paul on the outside was someone who would be shunned because he was obviously a man, but he liked to wear dresses. But God loved Paul so much that he, he died for him on the cross. And that was a message that Paul needed to hear. And Paul, from last reports that I heard, was, was going to a church. And, uh, and, it, and it wasn't, wasn't anyone telling him to change. It was God changing him from the inside out to be the man that God had called him to be. And that's wonderful news. There are some people that think, even in church, 
that some others don't deserve to be forgiven by God. It's like an us and them mentality. Uh, we don't have that in our church, <laughs> not at Sylvan Wesleyan Church or at, or at Hopeful Pakenham, um, but it, it can creep in. I'm not sure. Maybe you've been to a church before. People have got stories where they've been judged by what they look like on the outside, by a, a T-shirt that they've worn not knowing what was on the T-shirt really or uh, a hairstyle they had or shoes that they might have been wearing. I know I've been picked on for shoes before um, by well-meaning people, but it, it delivers a message to the world that you've got to be right on the outside before you can come to God. I remember a friend of mine growing up with him uh, when I was starting to get closer to God. I wasn't a Christian. I wasn't following Jesus, but I was certainly interested in God myself. And I remember my good friend, my best mate, he said to me, oh, you'd never see me going to church. I'm not good enough. And I remember talking to someone recently, you know, I always invite people along to church. And it's probably good because Facebook church is a great way for people to come to church and hide in the corners. You know, if you're visiting us tonight and you, you want to hide in the corners, please don't notify us. Please don't send us a little notification. We want you to feel right at home in secret. But, you know, I remember inviting a, a friend of mine here in Pakenham to church. And, uh, and, you know, he said, oh, the walls would come down if I came to church. You know, there's that mentality and we laugh about it, but there's that mentality that some are, are more worthy than others uh, to come to church, which is really sad. But what I love about God, what I love about Jesus, is that he just breaks the walls down. You know, there are no skin colors walls. There are no religion walls. There are no uh, any kind of, you know, what, what your income is walls. There's no walls, you know. Male, female, child, old person, elderly person, sorry. There are no walls with Jesus. And, and like Paul says, we're all in the same boat. You know, have a look again in verse 14 and 15. It says, our firm decision is to work from this focused center. One man, that's Jesus, died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death. Everyone is in the same boat. The Bible says that God is holy, right? God is holy. No one else. The God, God is holy. Heaven is holy. And holy means perfect, like perfect, perfect, absolutely perfect. The Bible also says that if we want to go to heaven, then when we die, then we also need to be perfect. We also need to be holy. Now, the Bible also says that in our own efforts, we actually can't be. We can't be perfect. You can't be like 95% perfect isn't actually a thing because you're still 5% not perfect. If you're 95% perfect tonight, let us know. We'd love to get in touch with you. But that sin, sin has made the, uh, it's impossible for us to be perfect. We can't be. None of us. We're all in the same boat, pastors included. Imagine you're in a boat with, every single human being from history, and you're heading towards the shores of heaven. And uh, you might be rowing, you might be just sitting back and letting someone else row, but you're heading towards heaven. All of a sudden, there's a, there's a, a leak in the boat, and you're never going to make it. And you're all going to sink before you get to heaven. The leak is called sin. You can't get there because of sin. Because all of us, the Bible says all of us have sinned. 
and we fall short of God's glory, God's perfect standard, which kind of, it sucks because in one way it's not fair because we'll never be able to be perfect on our own. But in another way, it's cool because God knew that and God knows that and that's why he sent Jesus. You see, if God let us riffraff in to heaven, then it wouldn't be perfect anymore. It wouldn't be perfect. If he was a just God, which he is, he'd have to have a, a wall up because we're not holy enough to get into to heaven. So God made a way. And that's why Jesus is so important to all humans, all humans. That's why he came and lived a perfect life, free from sin. And he freely gave his life as a sacrifice for all humans, all humans. That means the most rich person to the least rich person. That means a child that's not even named because they lost their parents through a war and no one knows who that child is. God knows who that child is. It also means the presidents and the queen and the prime ministers and the influential people. It means the, the famous people and the not-so-famous people. Jesus died for all of us. Then he rose again from death because he couldn't stay dead because he was actually perfect. He never lied. He never did anything wrong. He was completely perfect. That's why he could rise again from the dead, because death couldn't hold him. You see, you and I, death holds us because we're sinful. We don't just come back to life because God brings us back to life. It's because we're sinful. But Jesus isn't. Jesus has completed the perfect rescue mission for you and for me. It's awesome. We're all human. We're all in the same boat. Also, let's have a look at verses 16 to 18. It talks about what happens to a person who is saved, who does decide to follow Jesus and give Jesus the keys to their life and make Jesus the boss of their decisions and everything. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once and got it all wrong, as you know. You know, People looked at Jesus in different ways. In fact, Jesus asked his disciples once, who do people say that I am? And they came back with all these answers, right? And then Jesus says to them, who do you say that I am? And, and Peter said those famous words, you are the Christ, the Son of God. You know, everyone's got an opinion about Jesus, but there's only one right opinion, and that's God's perspective. You see, people got Jesus wrong. Just before Easter, we celebrated Palm Sunday, and he rode in, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. People thought, even Jewish people thought that Jesus was going to overthrow the Roman Empire and be the Messiah that way and save the world, save the city of Jerusalem right there and then. But Jesus was going in to conquer death and sin on a cross. You know, he was going to bring deliverance a totally different way than what people thought, and people always got Jesus wrong. There were so many times Jesus told a parable and the disciples had to say afterwards, uh, we have no idea what you were just saying. Can you please let us know? People got Jesus wrong. And people still get Jesus wrong. <laughs> Pastors sometimes get him wrong. We're not perfect. 
If we were perfect, we'd be God, which we're not. Yet because of Jesus, we have a new point of view about everything and everyone. I remember when I became a Christian, when I actually gave my heart to Jesus and I, I, I asked for forgiveness for my sins and I turned and surrendered my life to Jesus. From that point on, I saw the world in a different way. I had, I had meaning. I had hope in my heart. I had assurance that I'm going to heaven not because of what I've done, but simply because of his grace. You know, I had, I had meaning for life. I, I could see the world in a, in a different light. It's like God took off my dark glasses and put on some brand new ones that were polarized. I could see a whole lot clearer. And that's what he does. Well, it's what should happen in a believer. We should be able to see people from a different light. You know, Paul said to the Ephesians, um, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. It's against the unseen realm that we can't see. It's against the demonic powers that are working in people's lives. You know, I've got friends that I went to school with and they're, they're actually just, you know, going about their life. And some of them are probably worshipping demonic powers. But my struggle is not against them. I don't hate them. I love them. I will always love them and keep praying for them because I know it's the devil that's tricking them into believing his lies. And that's what God has done for each and every one of us believers. He's opened our eyes, or he should have opened our eyes spiritually to what's real around us. You know, our slogan for a church is um, real people getting real with a real God. You know, and what's real is uh, often not seen. What's going to last is what's not seen, Paul says to the Corinthian church in another place. So, so we should see people in a different way. In the kingdom of Jesus, there is no one greater than anyone else. There is no one more important than anyone else, no one less valuable than the whole. Uh, to the whole. In the kingdom of Jesus, we don't judge a book by its cover. There is also a fresh start for everyone who believes. We're forgiven by God and we forgive others as the Lord has forgiven us. You know, something that someone challenged me with is that if I'm finding it hard to forgive somebody, then maybe I haven't appropriated God's forgiveness in my life. Truly. We look at uh, the race riots happening around the world. Um, if... If we really truly learned what it means to forgive, there wouldn't be any race rights. Now, that's an easy thing to say. It's another thing to do. But I know in my life, I've needed to make some strong decisions to forgive, to forgive others, not to agree with what they've done or what they've said. Or, you know, it's not what forgiveness is. It's, forgiveness is like letting a prisoner free and then realizing you were the prisoner. You know, forgiveness actually releases your heart and your soul, and it, it kind of breaks the chains off of your life to free you up to live the life that God wants you to live. I remember watching the news. You might have seen it um, about um, a young boy that was uh, killed, stabbed uh, in, uh, in some gang-related activity in Melbourne recently. And uh, there was coverage of one of his relatives saying, I think it was his sister, saying, I forgive them. We forgive them. We forgive them for what they've done to our brother, our son. You know, we forgive. 
And the world looks at that and thinks, how could you do that? How could you agree with what they've done to your son? But see, that's a different thing. They said, we forgive it. We forgive them. We understand. We look at them in a different perspective. Now that we're believers, we know that none of us are right with God. All of us are in the same boat. And those people that did that to our son or our brother, whoever it was, they need just as much forgiveness from God as we do. And they're caught in a lie. And they're living a life of believing a lie that everything's going to be okay. So we need to forgive them and show them that there's more to life. And forgiveness is powerful. But because of Jesus, we actually don't judge a book by its cover anymore. In fact, we shouldn't. Jesus also is the only mediator between God and us. And he's the only mediator between us and us. Let's have a look at verses 19a down, all right? It says, all this comes from God, who settled the relationship between us and him. There's the first bit. Jesus is the mediator of uh, between us and God. He's the one who, you know, like I said before, there's a war, or there was a war. There's a war between humanity and God. Not that God hated humanity, but that humanity thought that it didn't need God. And, uh, and God knew that God knew that that sin would actually cause a division between people and their eternal life that he offers people. And so he chose to come into our world as Jesus Christ, die for our sins and open the way for us to be friends with God again. And that's amazing that God would do that, that he would reconcile us to him through Jesus, the great mediator, the mediator between God and us. And then in verse 19a again, and then he called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God took the first step. He didn't wait for any one of us to begin to look better than we used to be. God took the first step because he loves us. The world needs to know that because what I'm getting from my friends when I grew up and, and others and even around here is that the, the, the church has been delivering a different message to the world, saying you've got to get dressed up before you come to church. You've got to be good before you come to God. It's wrong. It's the most wrong. In fact, we need to come to a place, all, all of us need to come to a place where we humble ourselves and know we're not good enough to come to God. And that's why Jesus is so important. God started the ball rolling of forgiveness even before any one of us had the faintest idea of trying to be a better person or saying sorry to God. God decided to settle the broken relationship caused by our sin. And that is the only way that he wants us to settle our relationships also. Jesus is the mediator between God and us, and he's also the mediator between us and us. If you're having a difficulty with somebody, let Jesus get in the way of that and you'll find it smooth. It, it smooths out. It, it, let's, let's pretend that Sonia and I don't have a perfect marriage. You know, if, if we have a difficulty, then the first place that she should go or I should go is in prayer to God and say, Lord, help us out in this. Because he's the only one with the truth. I can believe all I like about my own opinions and how right I think I am, but 
My relationship is more important to how right I think I am. And God knows the right in everything. He knows the truth in everything. It says in verse 19b down to verse 21, this is talking about God. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. How, you ask, in Christ. God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so so we could be put right with God. We are Christ's representatives. We represent Christ. We represent Christ. There was this story in the Bible where a woman was caught in adultery. Uh, We have no idea where the man was in that process, but some religious people brought this woman to Jesus and threw her down at his feet and said, this woman was caught in adultery. What should we do? And Jesus said, if you're without sin, throw the first stone. And you can read about this in John chapter 8 for yourself. It's a great story about how Jesus is a mediator between someone who is sinful and, and factually sinful and a God who forgives. And he sends this woman away and says, go and sin no more. He sends her away. She doesn't get stoned to death. She could have faced punishment. But Jesus is in the middle of that fractured relationship between her and the religious nuts. And Jesus got in the middle and he's the mediator between warring parties. Now we can look on the news and we can see warring parties. And uh, we see one party thinks that the other party is the one who's the enemy. And the enemy sees the other party as the one who's the enemy. And, and it just escalates and escalates and escalates until somebody dies or somebody forgives. And God's way is to forgive and die. Jesus died for us so that we could be right with God. God doesn't want you to die for others so much as uh, you would let go of your own self-centeredness for others. Die to yourself for others. But when Jesus is in the middle of something, there is always going to be peace in the end. Jesus is the one that we are to represent to the world. Now, we might not do a very good job of it sometimes, but we can at least try. Because we live in a world where people are afraid to ask for forgiveness. People are too angry to offer forgiveness or too proud to humble themselves before God asking for him to forgive them and to follow his loving rule. Jesus sends us out just as the Father sent him out into the world to seek and to save that which was lost and to be light in the darkness and to heal the sick, whatever that looks like. Tonight, I hope it's been a reminder for each one of us, it has been for me, of what God has done. You know, And we can look back and we can see the difference that he has made in our lives. I know I can say without being 
self-centered is that I'm actually proof that God can change a person's life from the inside out. And that's what he wants to do in all of our lives. That's what he wants to do in the lives of the people around us. I want to invite you tonight, if, if, um, you know, if you feel lost or if you're struggling to forgive somebody, maybe, maybe you're struggling to forgive yourself, then turn to Jesus. Ask him what the truth is. Ask him what to do. Bring the situation to him. If there's friends that you know that are arguing or you've got kids that are always at each other, bring it to Jesus. He's the mediator between God and us. He did a great job at that. So he can do a fantastic job of being the mediator between you and others, between people. Now, it's our prayer that there would be peace on earth. But the Bible also tells us that as the day draws near when Jesus will make all things new, that things will get tough, that there will be more war, there will be more heartache, there will be more struggle and, and persecution will rise. But we have the hope in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that one day everything will be just as it is in heaven. We have that hope because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Let's spend some time in prayer thanking him and we'll finish with one last song. Let's pray. Now, Father God, we thank you so much. In fact, God, we just can't come up with the words. We could never pay you. We never earn it. We could never be good enough. But we thank you, God, that you loved us so much that you sent your one and only son to die for our sin on the cross, to rise again to new life, and to give the promise of the Holy Spirit into our hearts so that we might live a life here on earth that's worthy of you, that's used by you, empowered by you. We might overcome the temptations in our own life and have victory, and we also might be used by you supernaturally to reach the world around us. God, we pray that you would fill us with such a, a knowledge of your forgiveness of sin for us, such a realisation of your grace and your mercy in our own hearts, that that would just simply overflow to the world around us, that, that we might be vessels of your forgiveness, that you might use us to bring restoration to relationships in our world, Lord. We do pray for the world. We pray for the race riots. We pray for the angry people, Lord, that find it hard to forgive. But God, we just thank you so much that we have experienced what it means to be forgiven. And we can pass that on to the people around us because of your love for us in Jesus' name.